I do think I think testosterone is the most dangerous drug on the planet. You're you're wonderful to talk with Courtney, and I'm just curious what other topics you want to talk about. I want to get on a little bit about communication and body language because you did your TED talk on communication strategies, and you get into seminars and courses on body language. Could you tell us what's the biggest mistake that women make? when public speaking and how could they fix it? What's something you've noticed for women? Oh my God, that's a great question. Yeah, so my, my TED talk is called The Seven Secrets of the, the Seven Communication Secrets of the Greatest Speakers in History. And um, the biggest mistake that most people make is that they think of public speaking as giving a speech. They think of it as a performance. And if you think of it as a performance, you're going to have performance anxiety. But the greatest speakers, whether it's Barack Obama or John F. Kennedy or Ronald Reagan, when they spoke to audiences, it was as a conversation, right? So don't give a speech, don't give a performance, don't give a presentation, have a conversation with the audience. That'll make you feel more comfortable and will connect. And one of the ways that we do that, a big mistake in the way public speaking was taught a long time ago, and for a long time, um, was that you wanted to look over the heads of the people in the audience or imagine that the people in your audience were naked or wearing underwear. Have you ever heard that? Uh-huh. Right? That's the I worst. Have, yeah. That's not to mention how gross that might be, but that is like the worst advice you could ever give someone. That's like telling someone who's in Ohio, if you want to go to California, head towards London. Okay, I mean, it's terrible because the real essence of public speaking is you're having a conversation about something you care deeply about, right, that you're passionate about from your heart. You're having that conversation in order to help the people in the audience. Here, this information is going to be really useful. This product's going to be useful. This service, this idea, this candidate is going to be, right, you're trying to help people. And why would you look over their head if you're trying to help them? That creates a hierarchy and make, turns you into an actor. So you wanna have a conversation from your heart with the audience. With respect to women, it's very important that, because women have a disadvantage in business, 100% still. I think it's getting less, but it's gonna take a while, right? A man you know, will look at a woman and she'll say something and he'll go, and he'll discount it, and then there'll be a, a man saying exactly the same. There was a FedEx commercial or something around that years ago, right? That is a true thing, right? It's unconscious mm-hmm. bias, right? Most men are not misogynists. They just have been raised to think that men, you know, are the leaders and that men have the ideas. Whereas I mentioned to you before, I, I think men should stop running everything. I think testosterone is the most dangerous drug on the planet. And we have women run everything. I, I was engaged to one of the most powerful women in the entertainment industry, and she just heads and shoulders above any man because she combined the masculine with this beautiful, grounded feminine. And that was you know, way better than men can usually do. Yeah, Bill Clinton, to some extent, has a very activated feminine. I think that helped him a lot. But what what women need to understand is that communication is... words, 38% voice tone, and 55% body language. And many times women, they, 
you know, they fold their arms or they keep their arms right by their side and they keep their legs very close together and they don't look strong. And so if you look at powerful women in the business world or the political world, you know, like Ann Richards, for example, you know, they're standing in a way that not necessarily like a man, but they're they're really planted. And I know wearing high heels, it's harder to be planted, but their 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 body language yeah. and their the lower half of their body and the upper half is is strong, right? They're they're communicating confidence and leadership. But the most important thing, so that's the body language. The most important thing that is so easy to adjust is the voice tone. So for example, if I go, okay. hi, my hi, my name is Courtney and I'm the head of HR here, as opposed to, hi, my name is Courtney and I'm the HR person here, right? It's completely different. So by by lowering the frequency of your voice and making sure that you're, you know, kind of going down, you're not just staying at a high pitch place or any monotone, and especially pausing. So, for example, give you give you an example. Even if you have a high pitched voice, hi, my name is Courtney, and I'm the head of HR here. That's way more powerful than hi, my name is Courtney. I'm the head of HR here. Hi, I'm my name is Courtney. Okay. And I'm the head of HR at this company, right? So, just pausing and punctuation. There are tricks which I talk about in, in my TED talk and in my coaching, I travel around the world coaching and coach a lot of, of women who are in business environments. Uh, voice tone is, is probably the simplest way to increase your credibility and your gravitas and therefore increase the respect that you get. Okay, interesting. Who would you say is the best female speaker in politics? either party, like that embodies that, that it does a really good job at changing their voice tone and coming off assertive. Who would you say modern day? Maybe they're dead. Maybe it's in the past. So, so here's a book that I wrote in 2002 and probably, so I think Ann Richards is amazing. Uh, Holland Taylor um, had a, uh, who's Sarah Paulson's wife, uh, the actress. She did a one woman show okay. that I saw about Ann Richards called Ann <clears throat> Anne was incredible. So you might want to look at videotapes of Anne. You know, she gave a keynote at the Democratic National Convention. And then this woman here, Barbara Jordan, who is a, was a okay. Democratic congresswoman from Houston. And uh, she, oh my God, she has the voice tone from God. She literally had... She's, uh, Molly Ivins from Texas literally said she has the voice of God. And, and when I gave this book to Bill Clinton um, some years ago, which was a kind of uncomfortable thing because Bill wasn't chosen to be in the book. Um, but nonetheless, he goes and he takes the book and he he looks at Barbara Jordan and he just taps her head and bites his lip and shook his head. I mean, Barbara Jordan. Oh, my God. This is a woman, such a great female empowerment story for Barbara Jordan because she came into politics in the 1960s in the Deep South. And here she is. Oh, wow. <laughs> here she is. She's got everything against her. She's African-American at a time in Texas when that wasn't going to be helpful. She's a woman, 
that's not going to be helpful with all those the, the old boys club in the Texas State Senate. She went on to become the leader of the Texas State Senate and then became a congresswoman. Um, she's gay. She's overweight. She going against her. <laughs> she's gay. She's overweight and she's sickly. Right. And she ended up dying fairly young. Right. So she has everything going against her. And yet she got to a place where she gave a keynote for President Bill Clinton and she had a president of the United States honoring her. And if you ask anybody in politics and anyone in communication, what do you think of Barbara Jordan? They'll say, oh, my God, that's the model in terms of gravitas. But not everyone's going to have that kind of stature and that kind of voice tone. But you can work on it. And no matter what your voice is like, if it's too high pitch, if it's too fast, if there's not enough punctuation in it, if there's not enough variation in it, if you don't know how to pause well enough, those are things that you can learn. And that's something that, you know, I love. And my daughter, I work with my daughter. Um, we teach women how to do. Oh, that's cool. You mentioned that Bill Clinton wasn't in your book. I'm curious why he wasn't. Well, he, he was in, in the book. part of the book. He how was, did that happen? Because he's so... Well, he would... There, this came out in 2002 when we had these things called CDs. Some of you may remember them. Um, yeah. So I included uh, some bonus speeches, and I and one of them was from Bill, and I told him. But uh, the editor and I, we couldn't find a speech that Bill Clinton gave that met the criteria. It had to be um, a, a speech that shook the world in, in a positive way. And um, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't find a speech from Bill. Plus, there are a lot of other great speakers. I, speakers. I mean, Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, Franklin Roosevelt, the Dalai Lama, and um, the the um, and Eleanor Roosevelt is the other woman. Uh, she had a terrible voice, but we included her because her words did, in fact, shake the world in so many ways. Okay, cool. Now, I know you teach some seminars, and one of them was on listening. Could you give some of our listeners ideas on how they can be a better active listener? What's something practical they could adopt today to right? You know, so the the kind of listening. So <laughs> I want you to think about there's like you're pregnant and you're not pregnant, right? That's a pretty binary thing, right? And some yeah. people would say, including me, that you either are listening or you're not listening, right? So if you're okay. listening and you're formulating a response, oh my God, that's wrong, I gotta prove you know, that that's full of crap, whatever, then I call that ready to pounce listening. What Bill Clinton, who's okay. the best listener I've ever met, um, what he practiced was what I call tabula rasa listening, which is full body, totally present, zen listening, where nothing else exists except that person. Your shoulders are square, your hips are square, your knees are square. You're not kind of about to go off to the next conversation. And you are totally receiving, 100% receiving what they're saying. And if you listen fully, full body, tabula rasa, blank slate listening, people are not going to have to repeat things. And they're going to feel totally acknowledged because you are taking the energy from them and they can feel that and it's incredibly satisfying in fact this woman i told you about who um 
was one of the top executives in the entertainment business. She told me, and she was one of my mentors on this. I had a very important meeting at the Walt Disney Company, and she had worked there. And it was going to be a, a, a lunch, a sit-down lunch in the rotunda at the Walt Disney Company. And she said, don't say a frickin' word. I said, what do you mean? I'm there to pitch my seminars to the Walt Disney Company. And she goes, nope. She knew the person I was meeting with, and, but it, it didn't matter. She said, you're there to listen. People will fall in love with you if you just care about the thing that they care about the most, which is what? Themselves. And when you listen, you communicate that you care about them. And when you care about them, they then like you and they care about you. So shut the you know what up and full body listen. And so there I was, there I was. It's like 10 minutes are going by and I'm just listening and I'm asking questions and I'm totally there. I'm totally looking in his eyes and I'm totally squared my shoulders to where he is and I'm not looking around. And, and you know, 30 minutes are going by and I'm thinking, oh my God, this was such a mistake. I'm not, get, not getting a chance to sell what I want to sell, right? And then 45 minutes and then it's like, gosh, we're getting close to the end of our, of our lunch. And then like five minutes before the lunch was ending, he turned to me and says, so, so when do you want to do this? And all he needed, because he, I guess, knew that I could provide value. All he needed was to feel comfortable with me. He goes, when do you want to do this? Let me get you in touch. I didn't have to sell myself at all. I sold myself by saying nothing. I sold myself by listening. And people who are incredible listeners are instantly charismatic and instantly people want to be around them. And then when someone is completely done, then you can share with something. So I did mediation at the last couple of years of my law practice. And I would make that happen when there were like husband and wife, like in a divorce, they were like all over each other. I would tell one person, I said, okay, stop. You're not going to say anything. You're just going to totally listen. No, you're not listening. I want you to fully listen. Oh, don't fold your arms. I want you to open your arms, and I want you to pay attention. And then I would go, and let's say the wife was talking. i say, do you feel like he has received everything that you said? He may not agree with it, but do you feel that he, he at least listened to you? And she'd go, well, I don't think so. Well, then, then continue. You keep saying what you don't think he got, right? And then when she was complete, I would then go to the other guy and say, okay, now it's your turn. And then I would enforce the wife, full body listening. It's unbelievable how much you can get done when people actually fully listen. It's like, if I've got stuff and I want to throw it at you and you don't respond and you just take it, you take, you receive it pretty soon, I'm going to be empty of all my weapons and I'm going to go, I'm going to be able to let go and relax. And that's when the healing, that's when the real conversation can happen, even in a non-business setting. Okay. Some good practical stuff. Uh, one more body language question for you. you. You probably get this one a lot, but what's the best way to tell if someone is lying? I know people say speech rate or if they blink too much. Is there one that you have and you use that's a little bit maybe more uncommon that you know when someone's fibbing? Yeah. So... The eyes are the windows to the soul. 
And I, okay. I love, I love it. It's like, so, so where were you last night? You know? And so if the eyes, so for example, so ask me a question. Where do you live? What did you do last night? I, you know, I, I just hung out with friends, for example. Right. So what did I do yeah. there? Right. So if it's a simple question, right. And someone is using their eyes to kind of search their brain, then that doesn't really make sense, does it? Right. And especially if it's a, it's yeah. a really long time or if there's a really long pause or if there's a lot of beginnings, you know, false starts to the sentence. Well, I, well, you know, well, what was last night? Um, um, yeah, last night was Wednesday night. Um, yeah, you, you, you know, I, I, right. So I haven't even answered it yet. Right. So there's a whole bunch of false starts. So that's a way it's not necessarily going to indicate they're lying. It's going to indicate there's something, there's something uncomfortable that may or may not be okay. right. And coughing sometimes, <clears throat> right. That that can indicate there's some discomfort as well, but Basically, if you ask, so ask me and ask me a question again, it could be the same question. Okay. What did you do last night? I went to a party. A dear friend of mine was in town for his 56th birthday party and went with my daughter and it was awesome. Right. So is there a difference, right? I'm not searching for how do I explain this? There was no hesitation and I was able to look you straight in the eye. So another thing even without hesitation, so what did you do last night? Oh, you know, I, I was out with friends and then come back here. So Bill Clinton, when he lied about Monica Lewinsky, it was great. He goes, and I want to tell you something and I want you to listen. I did not have sex with that woman, Monica Lewinsky, and I want to get back to work for the American people. Right. So when he lied, right, sexual relations, actually. So when he lied, he wasn't looking into the windows of our souls. He wasn't looking into our eyes because we he didn't want to be seen, right? You can see a lot inside okay. there. So I'm going to keep my eyes away from you so you don't tell that I'm lying. Now, he probably did that subconsciously. But if someone is straightforward and they don't hesitate and they look straight in your eyes, there is a much, a very high likelihood they're telling the truth. Unless they are so polished you know, that they, uh -huh. they've got it wired, but there will usually be a visceral feeling that women have even more than men. If someone is not telling the truth, right? That sixth sense, that gut, you know, there's more brain, there's more nerve cells in the gut than any place in the human body, except for the brain. Oh, really? And so when you have a gut feeling, it's pretty darn accurate and something you need to pay attention to. And I know so many women in the business world, for example, who have hired people <clears throat> and they had a gut feeling not to do it, but they did it anyway. And they almost always regret it. So you guys are more powerful. You have stronger gut reactions than men who tend to be very cerebral. Okay. I can, I can attest to that. There's been times I kind of get a weird feeling around someone and I can't put my finger on it, but you know they're creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just okay. yeah, stay with um, it. Kind of... Follow your gut. 
I did have a couple questions about feminism. I don't know how much more time you got. I don't want to use too much if you have another meeting to go to or anything. No, it's your fun to talk to. Let's do that and then and then we can wrap. And then, okay. There's kind of a pushback to third and fourth wave feminism, and you can see that the manosphere or the men going their own way movement. Where do you think that feminism has misstepped and basically screwed up to get such a large pushback? So it subscribes. To- I mean, I got a brother, and he even talks about feminism like it's it's went too far. And I know he thinks women are equal, and he's not you know a woman hater, but he's like. This is getting a little much. Where have they messed up and how can they fix it? What is third and fourth wave? How would you define that? The fourth wave is kind of what we're in now. So we're taking down a lot of bad boys like Harvey Weinstein, the Kavanaugh hearings, that type of stuff. Third wave was more Anita Hill, sexual harassment. The third and fourth wave kind of blend together. You know, first wave is more about women getting the right to vote. Second wave was equal rights amendment. They tried to pass things like that equal in the workplace. Third and fourth is getting a little more towards like it feels it wants to just take down men a little bit. Yeah, I think, well, part of it could be because we never passed the Equal Rights Amendment. Yeah. Which is which is stunning. I think that's stunning. I mean, I think that was a that was a slap in the face to women still is. So um, so my view as a man and also the view of many of the women, powerful women, that I have known is that I'm going to say something that got my buddy Tony Robbins in trouble. And that is that victimhood may be real, but it's not a good look. And it's not a, it's not an empowering life philosophy, right? So if someone like Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby truly does, or Donald Trump, (laughs) truly does things that are illegal, right? Then those should be acted on, right? But Mm -hmm. the fact that you are legally a victim or emotionally a victim doesn't mean that you have to then act as a victim. So, for example, I I think the distinction is that, was it Aziz Ansari, whatever? Wasn't there a guy? uh, Yeah, the comedian. uh, Who who went on a really bad date and his date just blasted the crap out of him. Is that who that was? Yeah, that was. Yeah, stand-up comic. Yeah. So I read that and... I honestly think, listen, I think Harvey Weinstein belongs in jail. I'm horrified that Bill Cosby was able to get out of jail because that that is embarrassing to men, right? That's you don't drug women to have sex with them. Right. And Harvey Weinstein, you don't overtly use your your business position. and, and, And so you can sleep with actresses. Right. But. That's very different. And I think the women's movement hurts itself from a communication strategy standpoint when they conflate these things. Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby are not Aziz Aziz Ansari, right? They're not. And someone, you know, it's very tough for men to know where the line is sometimes. And some men are not very mature, right? And they need women to guide them. It's like, hey, that is not okay. 
I'm not going to go on Instagram and destroy your reputation, but that's not okay. And I'm not going to go out with you again. And I want you to know you can't do that. Right. There is a big difference. But the, on, a, on the thing, the Me Too movement, to some extent, I support it. But to some extent, it's gone too far. Right. And I had a, a, a woman that I was going out with who was a medical doctor who said, no, we want we, we don't want to emasculate men so that they're terrified to touch us and hug us and kiss us. Right. But there is a big difference between a guy going in for a hug or going in for a kiss that was ill timed. Right. And mm -hmm. and 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 me tooing him and saying he's a horrible human being because he disrespected your your space, right? I mean, it, men are in a tough position because they have to be the initiator, not have to be, but that's the cultural thing. And sometimes they're going to misread. They're just going to misread. So are they a horrible person who doesn't give a shit and doesn't care about how you feel and that's why they misread? Or are they a good guy, basically, who just maybe doesn't have the sensitivity or maybe they were a little drunk or whatever, or they're just a little bit of an asshole, but they're not really in the Harvey Weinstein category. So that is, you know, maybe that's more than you asked for, but I think the women's movement is incredibly important. I think we have to pass the equal rights amendment. We have to pass the equal pay for women bill that my friend Rosa DeLauro, who's a, sen a congressman from Connecticut, has been trying to get passed and didn't hasn't gotten past the Senate yet for 20 years. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's educate men, especially men who are older, who grew up in different times where it's like, OK, sweetie. OK, honey. Right. Oh, how dare you? Go well, I don't know. You know, they they grew up like that. So what I'm saying, bottom line, is give men the benefit of the doubt up to a point for them to learn that this is a new world and for them to adapt their behaviors to fit into that world. And, you know, then I think the women's movement will actually go further, which I hope it does. 100% agree. I don't think I could have said it better myself. <laughs> Great. Well, you're um, awesome, that's, Courtney. That's and pretty much it. I love that accent, by the way. I could listen to you all day long. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Never know if I should. Some people, when I was in New York, some people were kind of rude about my accent. And I thought, do I need to try to go to speech no, therapy no, or something? No, be yourself. That, that, and it's unique because... Okay. Because it just, just be myself. It just it comes out and it's just like a little bit of dessert, right? It's like, oh, that's 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 a really charming way to say that. No one else no one else has that Ohio mystic. So where's your where was your mom from? Well, she grew up some in Huntington, West Virginia, and then home in Louisiana and Houston, Texas right. and Mississippi so, and all yeah, over. <laughs> own 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 your uniqueness. Anyway. Okay, I will. That, that's all the questions I have. Hope it didn't feel like I was grilling you, but I just had so much I want to talk to you about because you've kind of you've been everywhere throughout your life, politics, business, and I wanted to pick your brain while I had the opportunity. Well, thank you. It's been really fun, and you're a, a great journalist, um, and I think it's so important that we respect real journalism and journalists like you were, even on a on a network that sometimes, you know, goes a little far in a certain direction. 
And I appreciate your, your curiosity and your interest. And really, it was an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anytime you want to come back, let me know. Okay, stay in touch. If you like this, then be sure to check out the rest of the interview with Richard Green right here on Ladies Love Politics.